0: Coming in ether, this is Barbo Observatory. Are you receiving this? Is anyone out there?
1: Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And this time we are going to be talking about something that's currently on Netflix, which is The Midnight Sky, which is directed by George Clooney. And it is based on a 2016 book. Is that right, Colin? That's correct. By Lily Brooks Dalton called Good Morning Midnight. Uh, We're doing this a little bit early in the month just because we had planned to do it for December and then changed to do something more fun. (laughs) 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 Though I didn't know it at the time um, that it was going to be more fun. Hey, It involves sandwiches. Everybody was a winner. Right. Exactly. Yes. So. The Midnight Sky. Uh, we have, none, presumably none of us had any previous experience with this book or movie. None. No. Um, what do we want to do in terms of, I mean, obviously on this show, this is episode number 99, uh, we do spoilers. <laughs> so at what point in the episode yes. do we go into complete spoilers?
0: I think right out the gate. Okay. There's a pause function in most podcast players, I'm sure. So,
2: <laughs> right. Yes.
0: It'll, it'll take you about three hours to read
2: the book. It'll take you about two hours to watch the movie, then come back and finish listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the book and the movie both kind of have
1: dueling narratives. They have two narratives that are not very connected at all for most of everything. And, uh, you have Augustine who's, I guess he's a radio astronomer. Is that right? Yes. Yeah who is somewhere in the Arctic and at at a station, and apparently the last person alive on Earth. He can't contact anybody. And uh, what is he doing? He's trying to contact
0: people. Right. right? Yeah, he's trying to contact people because he is lonely. No, no, he's trying to contact people because he's trying to uh, get Iris' parents back or something like that. Uh, But but he's not getting any signal back, and so he doesn't know what happened to the planet. Right? Uh, He kind of, I think... Expects the worst, given the evacuation situation. But mm-hmm. he's, yeah, trying to find, find Iris' parents, freaking out right. about
1: that. I didn't remember that that was in the book, actually. What? Yeah. Was it?
0: hmm Okay.
1: Um, well, maybe this would be a good time to talk about my reading history with this book. Because um, <laughs> you guys both read it ages ago, right? <laughs> in November, ages ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whereas... Um, I started the book and and read it and wasn't having any problem. wasn't having any trouble reading it. I found it quite readable, and the the trouble was I was also reading a five hundred page book for Hugo's, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I found myself short on bandwidth, um, and and also work had actually gotten busy, which is stupid. Why does work have to get busy? Um, well, it's and separate. so duh, right? <laughs> so my my digital hold or my digital uh, loan ended. So I had to request it again, had to wait a little bit. It came back. I read it, read a little bit of it, but then I started reading another 500 page book for (laughs) (laughs) Hugo's. And so I think I went through three digital loans with it and then finally had to request it in hardcover from the library because uh, (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't get the digital one back. It actually just came through today. Oh my Um, gosh. So yeah, um, my thoughts may be a little scattered on the book, because it's been probably since the end of November, since I read the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just finished it last week. So there's that. So I read like half the book last week. Gotcha. Well, that part, should, the back part should be all fresh
2: in your head then. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> um so anyhow, there's the Augustine side of things and then there's the uh Sully side of things where Sully is a member of uh, a mission. Right. Is it called Ether in both?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: That's coming back from Jupiter ish. And eventually Yeah, in
0: the in the book it's coming back from Jupiter. In the movie it's coming back from not Jupiter.
1: No, it's Jupiter.
0: It's also Jupiter. Yeah. Well, Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. All right. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. One of the moons of Jupiter. P-53, right? k K-23. K-23. K23. K23. Yeah. Yeah. And um, eventually the two plots sort of cross over because Augustine goes to find a better um, better antenna, essentially, so that he can reach more places and find right. out, is there anybody left alive? So and not not really very connected narratives in a lot of ways.
2: No, so uh, silly. uh, Augustine is you know trying to survive on limited supplies, uh, and he finds that uh, when everyone left the place where he's at, they left this little girl, and right. she's nonverbal and she's immune to wolves.
0: <laughs> and She's just right. friendly to wolves. She's a, she's uh, a yeah. fairy. <laughs> yes, she's a forest nymph, an Arctic nymph. <laughs> and
2: and we're kind of caught up in this whole dialogue between what uh, Augustine's doing now and a. Kind of an overview of his life, which has been this—you know—it's been totally dedicated to work. He has had no lasting relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a a daughter that he's estranged from. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's kind of it. That's that's his life.
1: Right. Well, did he even did he ever really know the daughter?
2: No, I don't believe so. Yeah.
1: In fact, he tried to talk the doctor's uh, the daughter's uh, mother into
0: terminating pregnancy, abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he left her while she was still pregnant. So yeah, that sucks.
1: <laughs> All right. So overall thoughts about the book? Well, we haven't
2: talked about Sully yet. Well, we mentioned
1: her. Okay. Okay. Let's let's do that.
2: Uh, well, Sully was the geologist and the radio technician on this ether mission to go explore one of the moons of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And for uh, re yeah, boy, full spoilers, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So at, <laughs> at the beginning of the book, Augustine is the only person left at the station because everyone else leaves to go home for the event, which is supposed to be like the, the end of life as we know it on the planet. And it it certainly Mm -hmm. seems to go that way. Did they ever say
0: that though, in the book? I don't feel like they ever did. They just evacuated for some unknown, unforeseen circumstances that never came about in the book at all.
2: Yeah. They never talked about it. It doesn't seem to be important aside from the fact that it strands Augustine.
0: Right. Which is the important part. I think. The important part is that he gets stranded and then comes across uh, yeah, Iris. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But
2: here, here's the thing. In Sully's story, she should be in constant contact with NASA. That's what yeah. NASA does. There is someone on a hot microphone mm-hmm. listening and talking to the astronauts all day long. Mm-hmm. And so when they began to shut down NASA so that everyone can go home for the big mysterious event, whatever what it is, mm-hmm. the astronauts should have known something bad was going to happen. Yeah, you'd think so.
0: Or, or they would have heard someone go, oh, well, see, crap. That, that's where I think you're assuming a bit too much, in, in that they're evacuated to go home or whatever. I don't think it was necessarily they knew something. Well, they must have known something was coming and predicted it, but I think whatever event occurred, it happened quick enough to where NASA didn't have a chance to tell, tell them something was happening. and they. Right. they
2: so it was out. so quick you could evacuate people from the North Pole, but not quick enough that you could talk to people 18 light minutes away. I think I think what James is saying and and
1: I I could get behind it. The idea that something could happen quickly that could knock out the ability to get the news out and so places further mm-hmm. out might be really confused about what happened. And and so then you could end up with a slower evacuation of arctic research stations because they don't know exactly what happened. They just know they lost contact.
0: Yeah. And it's very probable that they would that NASA administration, the people in charge, wouldn't want to tell them right away that something was happening because there's absolutely nothing they could do about it. And it would kill their morale and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, that, I, I think we've learned in twenty we learned in 2020 that uh, not giving people information because well, it will, yeah. would be disheartening <laughs> to them uh, is <laughs> not, not, the, is way not
0: the way to go. That's yeah. definitely not how people think, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. So,
1: Right. Yeah. So, Colin, are you saying that 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 bit of it kind of made you it it strained credulity credulity too far
2: for you it, that and then you talk about uh when we talk about the astronauts, they are completely devastated by the fact that they can't contact NASA anymore yeah right. and uh you know after reading a lot of like near near time science fiction, you begin to learn how much effort they put into picking. Uh, teams of astronauts and what psychological and sociological qual- qualities they look for in these people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the characters don't exhibit that. Sure, they they do much more so in the movie, mm-hmm. right? They know that routine and mission will get them through all of their things, even if they can't talk to Earth. The astronauts in the book they are like completely devastated, uh, nigh on suicidal. Right. Uh, it's yeah. it's a really extreme. Uh, situation that they they think they're thrust into, and they don't
0: handle it very well. They spiral yeah. quickly. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: not everybody, right? Because um, Harper keeps his head solely, solely, pretty much keeps hers. Yes, and I think you know Thebes and Tal were okay, but like Ivanov and uh, Devi are the two that are are starting to freak out. I mean, some of that I can get right. If if you lose contact to the point where you're like, we couldn't lose this kind of contact so completely, and unless something disastrous happened on Earth, which gets you to think about your the people that you've left behind, um, and you could you could spiral a little bit. But you're right, Colin. You know, the the idea that uh, people who passed all the psychological screenings to go to space um, probably would react better. Everybody but Devi and Ivanov seemed like they were on a pretty even keel. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the others seem to
2: be holding up. Okay. Mm, There's like the obsessive video game playing and yeah, I mean, but at at some point, what routine do you expect of them? Yeah. I mean, it is a nine month flight back to earth. Yeah. Also, don't, don't you think like a nuclear event would make a great big EM bang that they would have picked up? Yeah. I wondered about that if there was enough.
1: Um, and, and this, you know, in terms of explaining the, uh, communication blackout too, Uh, how much radiation would it take? Ionizing radiation would it take for uh, radio signals to just not get out? I don't know.
0: Well, uh, unless the EMP kills it all, but it wouldn't kill everything though. I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing. That's what, that's what makes it mysterious is like all these possibilities. And you know, I don't know there's a million possibilities really. Right. Yeah. And
2: and we think it might be an EMP because of the movie, which Mm -hmm. talked about uh, animals that were suffering from an overdose of ionizing radiation.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because in the book, they, that was the exact opposite.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's yeah. almost inconsequential what happens. It's just you know right. what's happening after that to Augustine and Sully yeah. that matters.
0: Well, mm. I mean, I mean, I guess that Augustine had actually checked all these things. You know, he checked for radiation in the air. He checked uh, animals, and they were behaving normally as far as he could understand. Anyway, you know, all these he checked for all these like possible fallout kind of events, and there was nothing. Yeah, but can you really trust him? Well, for for me, it added to like the mysteriousness of the book, and then kind of uh, highlighted the point that it doesn't really matter what happened. The point is that Augustine's alone in the Arctic. That's what really matters in the book. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. Except he's not alone. He's there with Iris. But is he? <laughs> yes. And so, if you know that he's hallucinating what he yeah. thinks is his daughter, can you really believe all the other stuff that happens?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, she does some cooking. She cook, she cooks corned beef hash, so he is completely nuts.
2: Yeah. Because <laughs> who cooks corned beef, ha- corned beef hash? Oh, corned mm. beef hash is good stuff. I love corned beef hash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you make corned beef half, you're just going to put partially cooked eggs on it and ruin it. So. <laughs>
0: um, that's just something that just occurred to me. Um, well, as I was reading this book, I was noticing that the kind of sci-fi parts of it were pretty light in the sci-fi. And I was like, and it made me appreciate like *The Martian*, which is pretty hard on the sci-fi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but as we were talking about how they kind of gloss over a bunch of stuff to maintain the plot highlighted on the people, um, I, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not the author did it on purpose or just didn't have all the background knowledge to provide hard, harder sci-fi. I suppose. Well, I, Seth,
2: let me say something, and then uh, you you Ron jump in and tell me how wrong I might be. Okay. Many people that make books that that the public claims are sci-fi, the mm-hmm. authors claim they are not sci-fi. Right. Ray Bradbury is a famous one mm-hmm. of those people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could just be that this happens to have a, a light setting of science fiction, and we're supposed to be more concerned with Augustine and his character and his remorse over his life. Yeah, And looking well, at- Well, see, that's S- that's
0: what I think, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then looking at
2: Sully and her choices out in space.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, science fiction doesn't
1: have to focus on on the technological aspects of it, right? It can just be like the sci-fi concept for this is in the face of what might be total annihilation of the human race. You know, what mm. what does that do to a person who's right. kind of left I'm, behind? I
0: guess I'm I'm not saying it has to be. i in my perspective, yeah. it's just merely an observation. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I I and too, I I enjoy the more harder sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do too. are think to grow some, potatoes is awesome.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> potatoes, please. I mean, some
0: of the lighter sci-fi
2: it can make really good stories. It's just that uh for me at least, that that wasn't working.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, I um I actually that was something that I liked about the book. I, I it was very readable. Um it got across the concepts, um, you know, about like the little earth and that kind of stuff. Um but didn 't go into a great deal of detail, and I was totally mm-hmm. fine with that sure sure. Part of this that I really enjoyed was the fact that this is uh, set in the Arctic, right, and so mm-hmm. when the book starts out and the book takes place over a much longer period of time than the movie seems to. yeah, um, I think the movie does take right. place over a long period of time, but they don't actually um, show that time passing on earth um, because everybody believes that if you go far enough north, it's always snowy and blizzardy, and that is not true. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it, As as the resident uh, Arctic dweller, um, I can tell you that in the summer, in you can go all the way up in, in Alaska and you will lose all the snow um, unless you're in the mountains. And I think he is kind of in the mountains in, in some of this. But part of the stuff that I really enjoyed was when he went to Lake Hazen, and it talked about how the days were getting longer and at some point he says that like it was an almost balmy 35 degrees and i was just thinking <laughs> i know exactly how that feels where, where you're like wow i don't even need a coat um and right now in oregon 35 degrees we're going to be fine. like layers we need layers
0: yeah <laughs> so yeah
2: yeah that was part of the book that i really enjoyed was the description of how you know the northern part of the northern hemisphere in north america changes over time and yeah um how you know the amount of light that you get changes and how the the ground and the the water and the lake changed and how he fished that was really cool yeah
1: Yeah. um i definitely remember those times where you're playing on the ice uh, on a lake and wondering am i a day too late to be doing this (laughs) (laughs)
0: because at some
1: point uh, it's too late to be out there like with a snow machine on the ice. If you're out there, um, you're going to have a hard time. So I guess what I'll say about this, I mean, we didn't really ever talk about um, our overall thoughts of the book. Now I know that uh, a bleak book is not going to be a Colin pleaser. No.
0: Right. Yeah. It was funny when uh, Colin handed it to me. uh, So I first borrowed it from Colin. Uh, and then uh-huh. I had to return his copy to the library because it was due, and then I had to go get my own copy from the library. It's <laughs> <Sort of, laughs> kind of a similar uh, hiccup story for like you did. I got like halfway through it, <laughs> and then I had to return it for Colin. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, when I wrote the first half, I borrowed a Colin's checkout, and uh, when he gave it to me, he was like, "This is going to be a slog." You're going to need more whiskey <laughs> or something like that. Well, compared like, to our oh, previous book, okay. which was,
2: you know, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, definitely. two shame. Right.
0: <laughs> but uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't think it was that that. So maybe it was good that you actually set up some kind of uh, low expectations for me, Colin. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm happy to help out. Because I did find it readable, as, as Seth said, but also rather predictable. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So Colin would you say you did not enjoy this book? So it, it's it's a downer book and, and that's not my forte and we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're all <laughs> doing things I mean if you look at our culture a year ago and you look at we our culture are Augustine.
0: today yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean we we wear masks in public. We're waiting for vaccinations. We monitor the death rate. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, school has changed, holidays, it, social events, families, work. they have Our whole system has been kind of upended. Yeah. And when you bring into that a book that is the end of the human race, it's mm-hmm. not, <laughs> not going to give me warm fuzzies. And right. I don't think that was the point of the book in the first place, so it's not the best of comparisons for it. Sure. So trying to give it a fair shake and realizing that I'm probably not in the best of places to do that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And that makes
1: sense. And. Um, you know, you're, you're well known as somebody who is not a big fan of the downer ending. No. And yeah, a downer ending, like if it, if it's well executed, I I'm fine with it. So I love books like the road. Um, I mean, I've only read it once. Mm. Maybe if I read it again, I wouldn't like it as much, but, um, you know, it's quite bleak and, and I thought it was beautifully written. And so I enjoyed it. And this one, I thought it was well written. I didn't have any trouble getting through it. I enjoyed the prose, um, And when I when I got to actually finally get to finish the book, I just finished it in a couple of days because it was a like Colin said earlier, it's only like a three or four hour read. Um, You know, I will agree with James that it was a little predictable. I, I wonder if I had read it prior to seeing the movie or seeing the trailer for the movie, because the first time I saw the trailer for the movie, I thought that little girl's not real. (laughs)
0: <laughs> seriously <Really? laughs>
1: yeah i said i remember saying that to you call oh, wow. <laughs> um because i think you had already read the book before i saw the trailer and oh. i thought it, and my thinking was the girl is there so that he can talk to her so we don't have to have an interior monologue and it's different in the book than that but mm-hmm. i never thought she was real and so uh mm-hmm. so yeah well she is real she's just not present Good point. Subtle, but good. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I actually kind of enjoyed the book. I, I, yeah, I liked it. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, Colin, when you when when the Iris reveal happened in the book, did it take you by surprise? No.
2: Okay. Which one? The, that she wasn't there, or that Sully is Iris? Well,
1: that one's kind of slowly peeled out right there because you you have um the name Gene brought up more than once, mm-hmm. where you know that's his former
2: lover and her mother right and so it's either a huge coincidence right (laughs) well gene is a somewhat common name in the united states it is but occam's razor while reading a book
0: exactly (laughs) that was my thing i'm like coincidence i think not yeah (laughs) yeah
1: i enjoyed some of the stuff I, i think overall i enjoyed the stuff on the ether more than the augustine stuff even though mm-hmm. I did love the the part at
2: at Lake Hazen, I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. um what did you think of Devi's death? I, I thought it was almost death by suicide, oh
1: really, so you think she she purposely didn't monitor her carbon dioxide levels,
2: yeah, uh, hmm, yeah, she had been so depressed, uh and yeah, the crew had you know the crew that were f- semi functional were working so hard to help her you know be okay at some level. Mm -hmm. That when the opportunity to come and, you know, do something to save, try to save the ship, then, Mm -hmm. yeah. I just don't think she was, she wasn't a functioning astronaut. She wasn't a functioning person at that point. It's pretty dark to think that somebody's
1: going to commit suicide while trying to do (laughs) vital repairs to a ship.
0: (laughs) Right. I don't know. I I found the, I found it totally plausible in my opinion, especially if she, because I guess they never actually said this, but I'd be willing to bet someone like that would be some somewhat autistic, and you know, Rain Man style. She oh, sounds like sound like she had that going on, yeah. And that I could know people that, that are on spectrum. Like once they get focused on something, the rest of the world goes away. Yeah, well, and their world has gone away. Yeah, but Ooh. I mean, she's so focused on doing what she was doing that monitoring the CO two monitor just goes out the window, right?
1: Yeah, but then then you put it back on the rest of the crew, right? What are they doing? Are they asleep at the stick? Don't they have some kind of telemetry data for? vitals on that's true people on out on spacewalk they should
0: you'd think that yeah
1: so so i found it a little implausible but um, right because because even if she's completely oblivious to it or if she's trying to to kill herself
0: harper should have been yeah should have been on top of that yeah yeah it was sad though yeah
2: so he was all concentrating on sully because they're they're in love right Right. he was totally distracted
1: yeah okay uh any further thoughts on the book or do you want to move on to the movie
0: no i'm good with the movie
1: yeah, okay. let's, let's movie. Yeah, we need, to, we need to movie on. I mean, I uh, like folks,
0: movie, movie. folks
1: don't necessarily need to know this, but we're having some connection issues. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that I can piece together a podcast from this. <laughs> and if I succeed, I will keep in that line. Excellent. It's not quite like it was in, uh, when I was in Italy, where there was no drop off, but there was such a <laughs> bad delay that it just didn't work. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay, movie. Yeah.
1: Uh, what do we think of the movie?
0: It it was a movie. It had the Clooney.
1: It definitely was a movie. Yep.
0: Yeah, George Clooney, Felicity
2: Jones, uh, David Oyelowo. Yeah, the Oyelowo. cast was
0: cool, huh? Yeah, I was yeah. noticing that as we were watching, like, oh wow, these guys, that guy's in it, this guy's in it. Or Ch-
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle, um, Kyle <laughs> Chandler. Chandler.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and Tuvok.
2: Uh, only in a brief role.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you had another uh, Star Trek Vulcan in a meteor role in Ethan Peck.
2: Oh really? Uh, yeah. yeah, he
1: was hmm. Spock on Discovery, right? Huh? Yeah. Um. Okay, so there's a definite if you compare the book to a book like On the Beach, and this is why I'm announcing right now, Colin. When we do On the Beach with Michael, you can just sit that one out um, because <laughs> it's like this book only more bleak,
0: <laughs> oh my <gosh>. more bleak.
1: <laughs> I mean, not not more bleak. It's it's just it's very much the personal face of the extinction of humanity um and and you pretty much know from the beginning of the book how it's going to end (sighs) and the movie actually goes ahead and just hangs a lantern on that because at some point one of the characters is literally watching on the beach
0: as everything goes down yeah do do you
1: remember they showed a scene that had gregory peck in it and that's a scene from from one of the versions of on the beach okay Uh, oh you guys didn't make that connection
0: no i've never seen that movie
1: I thought it was interesting for two reasons because of the on, on the beach connection and the Ethan Peck connection because he's Gregory Peck's grandson. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I'm sure it was it was deliberate. I liked the movie okay. I didn't think it was anything spectacular. I felt like either the Augustine plot or the Ether plot could have made a really good movie on their own.
2: I think yeah. the I think the Augustine plot works fine on its own. I think the Ether plot has no plot. Yeah.
1: I can agree with that.
0: They didn't make much of it in the movie, for sure.
1: I thought it was an interesting decision to just write Felicity Jones's pregnancy into the movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's also one of those unbelievable astronaut things.
0: Oh, wait, is that why they did that? Yeah, she was pregnant during filming. Huh? Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, because I thought I don't know that was in my opinion no f in way was that going to happen on a starship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and with 15 astronauts, no way. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's,
1: I mean, w- when you think about the realities of um, cosmic rays and all that kind of stuff, like it's not a good mm-hmm. place to be pregnant.
0: Yeah, that's probably no. true too. <laughs> so. No, I mean we don't even know
2: about the effect of lack of gravity on, on a pregnancy right? or fetal development.
1: They had a lot of gravity on that ship.
2: They had simulated gravity. It was probably two thirds, maybe a little bit better than that. Probably.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oddly, it looked like Earth normal. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder how they did that.
1: Yeah. Hmm. You know?
2: Boggles the mind. Um, so I thought the movie was very pretty. I, th- I thought everything looked great. It was shot beautifully. Yeah. The cinematography was great. The special effects crew should be accommodated because they did a nice job.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the, uh, in, all the like bracing structures on the inside of the starship were cool. They looked like 3D printed elven structures or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me yes. totally of Lord of the Rings. Like the... Uh, Rivendell, like all the castle walls and things yeah. like that. So everything's woven together. It looked yep. cool.
1: <laughs> it's like they've got a bunch of uh, nerds designing the insides of their spaceships.
0: And the, and the Arctic scenes were, yeah, like it pretty. It was all pretty. I missed yeah, the animals, cool. though. My- were, I missed all the animals, though. I wanted my polar, bl- polar bear blanket.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I think the movie did a lot of things to try and tighten up Things that we've talked about, not liking about the book, which just means I like it better, <laughs> uh-huh. um it doesn't leave a question as to what goes on it's there's been some kind of nuclear exchange. there's ionizing radiation in the air. if you're outside too long, uh you'll be exposed to it, and you will probably die inside and well clothed, you seem to be okay. yeah, and how does that make sense?
1: They don't explicitly say what <laughs> it was. um you know, Clooney mentions that it it was a mistake. Um, so, you know, it could have been an accidental launch or something, or mm-hmm. just a breakdown in peace talks. Or That's knows. what
0: Skynet wants you to think. Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting the way they uh, used George Clooney's voice and blended it with Ethan Peck's, so that when he was talking, he sounded like a younger Clooney.
2: Oh, yes. Yes.
1: I didn't notice it until the second time, when I knew that oh. they were the same character.
2: Oh, you didn't pick up on the fact that that younger astrophysicist was Augustine.
1: No, remember because I I read the book prior. I, I watched the movie prior to reading the book.
2: Right. Wow, I picked it up just from context cues in the movie.
1: Hmm. Well, it didn't wow. exactly go.
0: You know. <laughs> <So> <laughs> no. That's not as sh- not the sharpest tool in the shed, Colin.
1: Uh, that is true.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, we all have
2: our strengths and weaknesses, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was at. I
2: thought it was interesting, the whole hemodialysis thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, boy. So I want to verify, this is really me, Colin Kusky, talking. (laughs) I think that if they had made a a, a significant change, it would have made a better overall movie. Okay. And I know we usually save that talk for the end, but I think it it, it works well here. Okay. Um, If Augustine is just isolated... In an observatory, and he's waiting for a replacement crew, and they can't get there due to a storm, and his hemodialysis fails, and he is dying, and he tries to reach out to the daughter that he has never met, Hmm. then everybody on the Earth doesn't have to die.
1: Right. Hmm.
2: All that's required is that Augustine is dying, and that he's isolated. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. But then where does that leave the ether? Oh, the ether is going to come home. And then he and Lily get this this touching moment as father and estranged daughter, uh, where Augustine you know probably chooses not to reveal himself.
1: Yeah, uh, the trouble with that, Colin, is then why is she looking? Why is she scanning the frequencies looking for him to reach out?
2: Uh, give me time; I'll work on that.
1: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- that's the germ of a good idea, though. Um, yeah. So I, I can agree with that. I thought the uh, um the Devi character in in the movie was Maya wow. um and they combined the spacewalks into one thing and so when I was reading the first spacewalk in the book I was getting pretty nervous um and I thought oh okay well that's different and um mm-hmm. and then you know it, to me it's a little fakey to to think that they're going to come through that you know a debris shower without <laughs> major major damage <laughs> Including, like, you know, the communication thing they just repaired.
2: Space is mainly vacuum.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless Unless you're going through the asteroid field. And then it's still mostly (laughs) empty space. Yes. But her death is a little more cinematic, right? A puncture wound instead of carbon dioxide poisoning.
0: The blood bits were pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, when the blood starts floating up inside of her. Yeah, that was neat. (laughs) Although I think I would have rather seen her float away, like, a space. uh, what was the name of that movie? That movie, um, Sandra Bullock, and uh, also including? Gravity. Gravity, yeah.
1: Because
0: mm. that that's kind of like, well, that would be more bleak, I suppose. I don't know. Which is which that's more bleak, Colin? Floating away into nothing? Or, you know, gouging your blood and watching it float in front of your face? Oi. Mm.
2: I think the one where you're watching them float away, because you might be tempted to try something, mm-hmm. whereas when yeah. you're When you're bleeding out, there's nothing anybody can do, right?
1: yeah, which ending did you think was more bleak in though because in the book it's just sort of everybody well, not everybody returns to Earth, but they return to Earth not knowing what they're gonna face right
2: right, right. I mean, it's the end of the human race, whether you do it uh out on the you know survivable planet of Jupiter or right. whether you do it on the space station it just does it doesn't matter,
1: yeah. Yeah. The, the whole idea that the ether is going to turn around and go back to K23 and they're going to live happily ever after. I'm like, well, what kind of <laughs> supplies do you have? Um, you yeah. know, can you farm on K23? Yeah. Right. Um, Right. And it, no matter what happens, right? Uh, <laughs> assuming they don't have any other kids, then fast forward 50 years and there's just right. one person living
0: on that yep. planet. Yeah. 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 I thought that was dumb and extremely unsustainable.
2: Well, and, and a horrible thing to do to a child, even if, yeah. you know, you're allowed to, even if you're given the time to raise it, which you may not be.
0: Well, then they're going to have to have more children. Incest is best.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but but then, then you fast forward a couple hundred years or, or a
1: couple generations and you've got, you know, the right. hills have eyes, people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's just, yeah, it's sick and wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that was meant to be kind of a reference to On the Beach, because um, On the Beach has a family uh, – I. A young family with a young child,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so there's the question of, um, you know, how how do we go out? Do does the right? Do we do we help the child die peacefully? So again, Colin, um, brutal. You're not going to be with us for brutal. that episode. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> you
2: can read the book,
0: I suppose, if you want. It is well written. Yeah. So, so which ending did you like better? I guess. <laughs>
2: Oh, I, I think the ending of the book is better, as far as better goes. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, the ending in the movie, like
1: it, it seems like to a movie-going audience, it might be the better ending. But it's one that, if you think about it for five minutes, it doesn't sound great.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: I like- mean, it doesn't sound amazing to to land on Earth and, uh, you know, open the thing and have poisoned air come in. You know, is there air? You don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they're both a little yeah. bleak, and I feel like the 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 movie and the book are both about people who didn't have very good work work life balance, and now they're looking back on their <laughs> lives and thinking, "Hey, I could have been happy before all of humanity died, but now I'm sad, and also dying."
0: No, no, Holly, uh, Sully and Harper are good. They got their, they got their ranch up in Montana, you know.
1: There's no more Montana, <laughs> right? But she still regrets that she was never close to her daughter, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. So it's like like the sins of the father kind of thing. Mhm. And they never the movie at least gives them that moment of reconnecting. Although does Sully know who he is? I don't think she does.
0: I don't think so.
2: I don't think so either. Yeah. But he knows.
0: He does, yeah.
2: I had the feeling through the movie that he had kind of kept track of who she was and might have known that she was on the ether. It's possible. And as as he's dying and the and the world is ending, he just wants to reach out to her to try and and fix, you know, decades of abandonment and neglect.
0: Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that part. I agree with the first part. I think that he knew that it was her or yeah, she was on the ether, but I think he was trying to connect with them to warn them off the planet.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um it's it kind of a hybrid of the two, I feel yeah.
0: like.
1: I don't know. In the book he's just trying to contact anyone and happens to contact the ether.
0: Right. Whereas right.
1: whereas in the movie he's definitely going to that other antenna so that he can contact them. Yeah. Right. And, you know, in the book he arrives at the lake and ignores the, the radio house for quite a bit of time and
0: Mm -hmm. just enjoys
1: living kind of. Yep. Uh, what did you think of the acting performances? I thought the acting was fine. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was good. I thought, I thought the moment, um, you know, where, where Clooney finally, you know, he, she says what her name is and he says, I know, you know, he, he was very good in that. Um, it's not a super showy performance. Mm-mm. But I also feel like he wasn't on screen long enough to really get the accolades that I've heard.
0: I didn't think it was that great.
1: <laughs> no, I, I I thought it was fine. Yeah. I thought I thought the acting was good. I thought the directing was very good. Um, but hmm. it's a kind of a mediocre movie. Yeah, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes fifty two percent.
2: Actually, audiences twenty six percent. Ouch! Oof. It's a it's a wow. downer movie. You're not gonna. I mean, you can't compare this to. <laughs> Classic science fiction. It's a year
0: for a downer movie. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> All right. Final thoughts? Rankings? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Rank them. Book movie.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. I thought the movie was better than the book. Okay. Um.
1: I, I go book movie as well. So this is a rare instance of Colin picking the movie over the book when James and I yeah. picked the book over the movie.
0: That's and fine, I know yeah.
1: because I've done the math. Um, <laughs> and one of these days, I'm going to convince you guys to record an episode. <laughs> we'll get there.
0: We'll get there. <laughs> about that. Okay.
1: Uh, so we're wrapped for that one. Yeah. Yep. All right. So here's the thing. This is episode 99. We are coming up on a big round number. When I first started putting everything together for the podcast, I mean, w- we all did it, but I was the one who was doing the uh, nuts and bolts of creating file names and and uh metadata tags and that kind of stuff in the file names i put three digits for the number and so our first one is you know tmtyr dash zero zero one right thinking maybe at some point in the future we hit three digits and we're finally going to do it um although let's not count our chickens before they hatch the world could end (laughs) 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 if we learned anything from this book um so you know kind of a sidebar not sidebar but um just like to tell our listeners i think we've hinted at this um about my asking you guys if it be possible to somehow decrease the workload a little bit Mm -hmm. um because between the reading for this podcast and the watching and the editing and my other podcasting that i do i'm i i I end up a little bit swamped and I don't get to do as much leisure reading as I would like. Um, and, uh, so I, anyhow, I have asked the guys if we could focus on shorter fiction, uh, as much as possible. The trouble with that is there's not a ton of uh, titles left where it's a short story adapted into a feature film. There's plenty of short into short, um, or short into TV. And I just don't love those. So I don't want to do them. Mm-hmm um, they're too darn faithful. I, I want, I want them messing with stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so we've been discussing what we're going to do for that and maybe changing the format up a little bit. And I think I'm going to save the rest of that for when we actually get past episode 100. Um, or maybe at the end of episode 100, we'll discuss what we're going to do going forward. But for episode 100, we were all playing for all the other day and, uh, Came up with the idea to really go out with a bang, um, because if I'm requesting less reading going forward, then let's do the most possible <laughs> thing that we can do for an episode. <laughs> and so for that, I've for a long time wanted to do two books called Red Alert, which is a 1958 book that was adapted into Dr. Strangelove, and Failsafe, which is a, I think it's a 1962 book that was adapted into a movie of the same name. And there's a lawsuit in there because the books are so similar. And so I've for a long time wanted to cover both of these on one episode. And I think episode 100 is exactly the right time to do that. So cool. uh, that's your reading assignment, two books and watch two movies and uh, fail and red alert, red alert and failsafe. Yes. My, my idea is I, I was going to read and watch in chronological order. So I'm probably going to read both books before watching either movie, which will be interesting.
0: Yeah, I'd be okay with that.
1: Yeah. But if you want to do something different, James, if you want to read book, watch movie, read book, watch movie. Actually, James, you should read Red Alert and then watch Failsafe. (laughs) (laughs) And then read Failsafe and watch Dr. Strangelove. (laughs) I don't care. We we can do that however we want to. And we'll talk about it on the next episode. So anyhow, that's something to look forward to. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can reach out to us on the social media if you want to at Pavement Podcast or at Hugo's Podcast. You- and uh, until next time, may the road rise up to meet you and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader Disgusting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Disgusting.
2: <laughs>
1: Disgusting. Let
2: right.
1: will try that again. Did we lose Colin?
2: No. Where, where were we supposed to go from here?
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: It's kinda of rough without video. <laughs>
1: Alright, let's turn on video and, and uh, damn the consequences. <laughs> See if it works.
2: Damn yeah. the consequences. Full band with the head. Yes, exactly.
0: Alright, all right. All right. Nice. So I, I think I think I uh I, I know where to go.
2: Ooh, nice. And the video has We frozen. just lost Seth.
0: <laughs> oh, that didn't work. Nope, uh, that didn't take long. No, sure not. All right. Uh, video uh, off. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>